If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to We Say Things, episode 41, sponsored, finally, by absolutely nobody. Suns fan here with <laughs> Finally, Cinderin. we lost all our sponsors. We've been waiting. You know, we've gotten some comments of people that are triggered, legitimately triggered, that it still says sponsor us on there. Uh, but well, I, Why don't they fix it then? It's not that exactly, hard. Exactly. Exactly. There you uh, go. So Cinder and I have talked about this a bit. We haven't fleshed out the details and whatnot, but uh, I think we will probably do a Patreon. Just got to think of some ideas. So in the next few weeks. Yeah. We'll, we'll come out with something uh, so you guys can sponsor us. Because, <laughs> hey, Dota's, Dota's a tough game. You know, it's it's really tough to get money from people. But maybe after what we'll talk about today, things could change. But you never know. Anyway, how have you been, Cinderin? Uh, I'm been good. I'm good, Shannon. I'm good. Um, That's great. My dog has thrown up daily the last four days. Um so he's also doing great. Um, but we did have him taken to the vet today. Susie went to the vet with him, and it turns out that he probably had some sort of bacterial infection, and he has a little bit of fever, but he's doing much better. And he was also doing better over the course of those four days, and he wasn't like lethargic or anything. We are very responsible, so we obviously would go if it's a bad, a very bad thing. But That's good to hear. In the end, it was a good thing to probably just go and get him checked. And they tend to get sick. Earlier on than more so than ever. Right? Yeah. And we had a couple of previous incidents where he would like vomit because of like eating something bad or he's a puppy. He eats everything, right? If he can get his, get his hands on it. But he's learning. Um, and the previous couple of times that he had somewhat similar problems, it went away after two days. But this time it was a little bit longer. So we wanted to get mm-hmm. him checked. Good. But yeah, outside of that, I'm good. So great to hear. Just your uh, weekly update on the dog. I know you that, love it. Well, I I do want to say one thing that uh, mm. I find funny. We do get a few comments every day. T- it's not like a majority of people, so don't don't make it seem like I'm twisting things. But people do not like hearing about our lives. Like I don't care about your personal lives. I just want to hear the news. I'm sorry to whoever those those people. I I truly am sorry, but. You're going to have to suck it up. Okay. You're going to have so. to suck it up because I have a very important thing in my personal life that I like to talk about, Cinder. And oh, no. Her name is Rebecca Black. So, oh. have you, do you remember Rebecca Black from That's Friday song? Friday? I do. It's called Friday. Okay. I do. So, for those that don't know, uh, this girl, when she was, I don't know, it, like in high school, maybe, maybe even in middle school, she made a music video. Of a song called Friday about you know the day Friday. Oh, you got to get down. You got to get down on Friday, uh, and she got completely just memed up, destroyed. I think 4chan is the one responsible, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to remember back in the day. It's, it's so always long. that guy. 
Yeah, it's always that one 4chan guy. Uh, so she has grown up. Contrary to popular belief, people do grow up. And I want to read a tweet real quick from her. Yep. Okay. Okay. So she came out with a single recently. Uh, so her tweet is, Nine years ago today, a music video for a song called Friday was uploaded to the internet. Above all things, I just wish I could go back and talk to my 13-year-old self who was terribly ashamed of herself and afraid of the world. To my 15-year-old self who felt like she had nobody to talk to about the depression she faced. To my 17-year-old self who would get to school only to get fo food thrown at her and her friends. To my 19-year-old self who had almost every producer and songwriter tell me they'd never work with me. Hell, to myself a few days ago who felt disgusting when she looked in the mirror. I'm trying to rewind myself more and more that every day is a new opportunity to shift your reality and lift your spirit. You are not defined by any one choice or thing. Time heals and nothing is finite. It's a process that never too late. It's a process that's never too late to begin. And so here we go. This might be a weird thing to post, but the honesty feels good if nothing else. This was such a fucking cool tweet. And I went and I listened to her new single. You know, I hate music, right? I hate a lot of new music. Mm -hmm. I legitimately liked it. I think, I don't know if she's going to become a big star or anything. I mean, she has 1.2 million Twitter followers, so maybe she already is, mm -hmm. but legitimately good song and it crushes me to hear that because i remember the back in the day obviously i you know i didn't think the song was very good i thought it was hilarious and became a meme but to be that mean to somebody it's just mind-boggling like even back then like i felt so bad for her and just seeing mm -hmm. these tweets and how it affects somebody throughout their entire lives uh i mean that's the internet right that's the that's the yep. dirty side of the internet it is i do want to say though it sounds like she has come a long way, like she has improved a lot. So I'm really, I'm really happy for her that she's like looking at her new self and aging and getting like getting to a new part of her life. Unfortunately, her writing is still like a 13 year old in terms of, um, you know, capitalization, comma structure. Um, <laughs> might have to still look into that. You mean the uh, tweet? But the tweet yeah. didn't have grammar. That's what you're. It, she didn't capitalize a single word, Shannon. That's that's a big no no. Um, <laughs> she didn't put in a single comma. Oh, there is a comma actually. There is one. Oh, two. There's two commas. So. Good. Good. Three commas actually. All right, I take it back. She's doing great. Um, yeah. So it's always nice to read motivational stuff like this. Um, and I think what's important when you see things like this is that you remember that this can be any person, right? Yep. The people that speak out like this and get a lot of response and get a lot of traction on it, this could be your neighbor, it can be somebody in your classroom, it can be somebody at work, and you don't really know. So uh, anybody can be contributing to this passively or actively without really knowing. And that's what's kind of scary about it is that, you know, people do it in good fun, but at some point, good fun can be too much, right? It can become overwhelming. And, you know, we can probably both relate on a smaller level, right? With our own experiences within oh, yeah. esports and being personalities and whatnot. It's never, it has never and never will reach the levels that this did. But uh, it's very easy to understand how that would be tough. And then she was fucking 13 on top of it all, right? Yep. That's got to be way, way worse. Well, it's not just the um, internet. It's in person as well. Like, I've said this time and time yeah. again. I probably said on the podcast, me having the name Shannon growing up in the United States was miserable, but it actually helped me a lot. I always think of the the song, I think it's called Sue or something about Sue with uh, Johnny Cash. 
A Boy Named Sue, I think it's called. I can relate a lot to that. It toughens you up, and I think I'm better for it, honestly. Uh, but hers was probably like way worse. I mean, obviously it was way worse. That's overwhelming. So another thing we should add, because this is actually a good segue into something that we, people tweet at us sometimes. Even my girlfriend gets involved in this, where one of us sounds too mean to the other person. There's also the other side, guys, where... Like when Cinder made that joke, he was deadpan, complete sarcasm. Guaranteed, a bunch of people thought he wasn't kidding. But we're good what people joke? at the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. You don't have to laugh. You don't have to have a certain inflection for something to be sarcastic. Anywho, Cinder, if I call you a piece of garbage, I mean that in the best way possible. You know, yeah, sometimes I throw I think... away things that I love. That's a piece no, of garbage, but... technically. I think what people should know is that the reason this episode is Friday and not Tuesday is that I needed more time to recover from last week because um, you were really harsh and hard on me. And I'm sorry. You were, yeah. I actually completely forgot to mention that this is on a Friday. Uh, no, this was not because of Rebecca Black, by the way. Not but we got to get down now. We got to get down for sure. So <laughs> the reason... The <laughs> God fucking damn it, Shannon. <laughs> The reason that we had to delay this is because I had a, just a bunch of shit to do. I just had was completely slammed uh, with both travel and just doing stuff, mostly underwear stuff, which we'll get to a little bit later. So as a result, mm-hmm. we one of two things will happen for the next episode, or for Tuesday, guys. Either nothing, we won't have an episode, or we'll have a guest. Because I don't think having two podcasts in a row like that, that are basically us talking about the news, that close together is a good idea. So I will try to find a guest, uh, but yeah. We'll see what happens. So the last thing I want to talk about before we get into the dotes. Cinder, I got a pedicure for the first time in my entire life. Oh, recently. really? Have you gotten a pedicure before? Um, I have actually. Uh, I got one right after I got one right after I watched in Bruges uh this Sunday. Yeah, I'll bet. So how'd it go? You got one this uh, week? So Jan, never come on. Okay, see, even I missed the sarcasm there for a moment. Well, keep in mind, it's 4 a.m. here, for God's sake. You make me stay up all night. You put a gun to my head, basically, to do this freaking podcast for you that's not sponsored. What do I get out of this deal? Please don't be so hostile, Shannon. It's it's not good. Please be nicer. Thank you. So, you're not a metrosexual? No, I've never had a pedicure. Pedicure is the one on the feet, right? And manicure is the one on the hands. Yes. And the reason it's called manicure is that in French... Okay, we don't need to get into that. But I yeah. actually have no idea. I would love to hear why. Is there... Uh, don't look it up. Don't look it up. Either you know or you no, I'm don't. trying. I'm trying to remember because I have very little limited knowledge of French. But I... What is it the French word for hand is? Man. Pretty sure. It's ma. That's what I thought. Okay. In my... I was like, it's either... This either means hand or head. <laughs> And it does mean hand. M-A-I-N. So Good. that's probably the root of it, right? Okay. And then some manicure. So yeah, yeah, I've never gotten a manicure or pedicure before. Uh, so I have this thing. I, I don't know if anybody else has it. Where Somebody said it's from Latin, Shannon. It's Latin or French. It always is. All right, Whatever. Go I have very sensitive <laughs> nails. So I'm sure there's other people with this issue. But I, you know like the chalkboard thing where you... Somebody's scratching a chalkboard. It's like very cringy, like literally cringy. Like, mm? well, is there a word for that? That's all I. Did can... you do that with your toenails to test them, or? God, you're the worst. You're actually, no, what's the transition here? Find a here? different co-host. 
Yeah. So anyway, uh, I have this issue where back in the day, when I was young, super young, my mom would cut my nails for me, right? Mm -hmm. And I would always be like very squeamish. Like, yeah, I would hate it so much. It would like, it's like it's our dog. sensation. I hate no, our it. Our dog is actually better than that. I hate it so enough jokes. Let's get through this segment so we can start talking about Dota. So I don't know Sorry. what it is. I can't like people filing my feet. I was always afraid of that, but I went because my, my heels have been having issues because they're a little too dry. So I've been putting a lot of lotion on them and stuff, Cinderin, trying to get in touch with my more okay. feminine side. Mm -hmm. It was the first half was rough because they file and I'm just sitting there gripping the seat. Sweat, sweating <laughs> profusely. Like I probably look like a, I don't know, like I look probably terrified, legitimately terrified. How is this not recorded? How is this not? <laughs> I sh I should have taken a picture or something, but uh, it was actually rough. It's supposed to be a very relaxing thing. I was not relaxed. I was stressed the fuck out, and I know I will never get a manicure because my hands are like ten times worse than my feet for that. Did you get a so. discount though because you got traumatized? No. They oh, uh they well, just that's massage good business. my feet and yeah. So manicure, pedicure, or just pedicure for me, but probably not in the future. Probably if so more. The first I do half it, was bad. Better. What was the second half? Second half is them massaging my feet. So that was fine. <laughs> oh. I don't have people I don't have a problem nice. with people touching my feet. It's just the filing of nails and then like the the instruments they put in, like ugh, I can't even think about it. Let's just move on. Okay. The instruments so, they put in ugh, it just makes me it makes my spine tingle in a bad mm. way it's like the opposite of asmr well okay let's just remember that you chose to talk about it okay thank you i'm sure people in the comments will probably say that at least some people have the same issue as me otherwise uh you know i have probably yeah, mental those issues. people coincidentally also cannot imagine a basketball going through a hoop so you hey, but i can imagine things in general so you know mm. i feel good about myself all right so some huge huge news we'll we'll lead off the podcast after the pedicure, of course. DPC season after TI-10 has basically yep. been announced in terms of how it's going to be structured. It is way different than we're used to seeing. Some similarities to League of Legends, but we can get into that a little later if you want. So let me just go over the fine points for those that maybe aren't up to snuff. So it's divided the entire year before TI-11 is divided into three seasons composed of six regional leagues which then lead into a major. So the regional leagues, we can talk about that first, Cinder. Let's just do this segment by segment. Mm -hmm. So each of the six regional leagues will have a 280,000 total prize pool. Leagues will Across feature... Across the whole year. Of course, the whole year. Mm -hmm. Leagues will feature two divisions with eight teams in the upper, eight in the lower. And that's 96 total teams throughout all the regions together. After, the, after each season, remember there's three in the year, the bottom teams of the upper division and the top two of the lower division swap places. Uh, I'm not as familiar with like League of Legends and all the other stuff, but this is very. I'm very familiar with the back in the day it was called Cyber Athletics League Cal in Counter Strike. This is pretty mm -hmm. much exactly the same as that, which Just I love back right? in the day. Yeah, um, the leagues last six weeks, and then there's a break in between, which we'll get to the schedule in a second. All upper division matches will be presented by Studio broadcasts lower division will be featured on dota tv each region will have three competition days a week and we can talk about the prize pool distribution 
uh, a little bit later as well. So mm-hmm. as a whole, let's just, you want to go line yeah. by line? I mean, up to you how you want to dissect this. Sure. This is much uh, I'll just different. give my overall thoughts, I think, instead okay. of just one. Sure. One. So first of all, I'm really happy we get something like this. And I think it will achieve the goal that it's aiming to, which is to give more stability to the tier two and tier three teams. Um, I think it very much incentivizes keeping your roster more together, especially because within every cycle, you can't make roster changes. So once the league is running and you are in it, you're playing that league to the end. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can use stand-ins for four games, I think it was, throughout the entire entire season. Um, Out of, I don't know how many total games you will end up playing. Actually, I'm not completely sure. But it's probably a decent chunk of them that you can use a stand-in for. So technically, you can switch your roster halfway and make it a stand-in, I guess. Um, but stand-ins can only be from a lower division or from no division. So you can't have in the major circuit or in the, um, in the how to say, in the top division, you can't have teams just mix and match from there. They can't shuffle during the season. Right. Um, so that's good, I think. Uh, I think the relegation system is fine. I think having movement is important, so that's good. Um, as far as the prize pool, I think this is one of the things that will cause most controversy, honestly, is that every region is rewarded the same. And there's arguably a couple of problems with this, depending on how you look at it. The first way, the first thing you could say is, is it fair that South America gets the same prize pool as Europe? Um, mm-hmm. If the level of competition is way lower and if the average expense of living there is way lower. Right. It makes it relatively the South American League is the most valuable one together with the CIS League by far because their life expenses are so low that if you place well in that league, you're actually set in that region. You have a good life. Whereas if you uh, place okay and you live in, for example, Denmark in the European League, it's good, but it's not fantastic. So there's some really big differences there uh, inherently. Um, arguably beforehand it was the same always the same with Dota right because the prizes are what prizes are if you go to the major as an SEA or an SA team the prize money is worth more than for a European team that's fine but the difference is the inter or the intra rather I should say the regional uh, tournaments in the past have not had prize pools right all of the qualifiers had no prize pools so mm. the prize was getting to the event which I personally was against I always thought qualifiers should have had a prize pool um but yeah i as far as this goes i'm obviously i'm happy for all the regions and all this money coming in i think it's really good from a fairness perspective i don't know if how if this is how it should have been done um but what valve avoid by doing this is flat out kind of putting in writing this region is more valuable than the other region right Right. i think Um, it gets really tricky if you try to change it for each respective region plus from the devil's advocate side, I would say maybe the best argument for keeping it the same is you incentivize more people in the South American region to get involved in Dota because absolutely, if that's a There's... shit ton of money, then there should be more mm-hmm. incentive to be playing and thus better competition no will exist. No so I just think, I mean, I don't disagree that uh, obviously EU is going to have struggle to live off that kind of money, but at the same time, Tier three teams should be should they be living off of off of Dota money? Oh, it's, is that it's even not realistic? about the tier three teams. This this argument is not about the tier three teams from from my perspective. It's more about let's say the tier two 
teams that regularly will play in that top league and have always been on the cusp, like regardless of how you look at it, those teams will also be making more with this system, right? If you're in this league, that is way better than not qualifying for a minor, right? And that's mm. kind of, if you compare the two, that is what well, it would keep, be like. Keep in mind, right? we don't know how so. many games they're actually playing necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. We know they're playing like three times a week or something like that. But in terms of specific game structure mm-hmm. for the regional leagues, I don't think we know that yet. So it but could be a shit the, ton. Could be that was, yeah. I think I think it said it was a best of three round robin. But I don't know if you play each other once or twice. If there's like home and away games, kind of. I, I don't know about that. And they might, you know, it's in half a year that this even starts or more. So they might revise it later on. It's possible that things change. So. That was a little bit about the concern with the prize pool as a con. Now, it's the big pro for me in this is I think tier two teams have a much better chance at landing sponsorships because now, compared to this season and previous seasons, you can you have a way bigger likelihood or kind of guarantee if you're in the right spot already that you can get exposure. Uh, and obviously what all of these sponsors want is that they want their teams to play, right? Like th- right. that's what the fans want to watch. That's how you get impressions. That's how you get interaction with people and you reach them with your sponsors. Um, if you go to a sponsor and you're like, yeah, uh, would you like to get into Dota? There's a chance we make TI or there's a chance we make a major and then there's a lot of cool games and there's a lot of prize money and you can get a return on investment. But if we don't, there's nothing. That's not a really mm-hmm. good pitch unless you're the best of the best that consistently get there. Uh, but now you're like, okay, we are playing in the second division. We have a good chance, or we have a chance at least, of getting promoted to the first division. And regardless, there will be consistent games for us this season. You will get content. Um, and there's the opportunity of promotion and even making the major. That is, you know... Far superior. That's a, that's a sales pitch that you can go to an org with. And I'm not saying you're going to suddenly get like, it's not like a tier two team is now randomly going to land a million dollar deal with cloud nine, right? But it might mean that these orgs that are in that range, like say orgs in CSGO, you know, CSGO has way more orgs involved than Dota does. Some of the ones in CSGO that have these teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack might see an incentive to get into Dota, which is Mm -hmm. really good um, because it helps obviously the pros scene flourish and hopefully it brings more new fans and more attention to the game if they put more effort into making content, uh, which is something. I mean, that's a separate discussion, but I don't think Dota has enough content, personally. Uh, I think the players don't do enough content outside of just playing the game. Like, um, Some teams have been pretty good at it. I would say a great example of a team that has especially picked it up lately is OG. Uh, EG has always been relatively good at making content. But some of the really top teams you kind of don't really ever see on camera outside of when they're, you know, in the booth. And that is a shame. And that, again, is something sponsors are looking for. So if they don't get that, eh. And I think that's, some of, that's one of the things Tier 2 teams will be way more willing to do, right? They're just happy to land sponsorship yeah, and sure. do extra activities for, for that. So that's super good. Yeah, I think okay, overall, I know this is a long monologue. Be- you say a bit, we, and then one more point. I mean, before we get to the... I, I, I will say this. Overall, I love mm-hmm. the idea of regional leagues. Everything about this just takes me back to an older, more uh, nostalgic time for me, for Counter-Strike specifically. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this, this works. Now, some of the specifics need to come out to be able to make a full... Uh, like to be able to actually look back and see if this will be better overall. Because 
a lot of things are missing. And I want to talk specifically about the upper division matches will be presented by Studio Broadcast and lower division will be featured on Dota TV. So lower division on Dota TV, that's pretty self-explanatory. Do whatever the fuck you want. That's what that means. The other upper bracket from Studio Broadcast, what does that mean? I'm trying to think yep, from a tournament organizer standpoint because we can get into this as well. The third-party tournaments will have some time in between these seasons um, to actually run whatever they want. But who gets these spots? How who how are they chosen? Does it need to be in a specific format? Do you have Do to run it in a certain way? Fight. It's like we have zero information on uh, that, and that it's kind of hmm. just up in the air at this point. So I don't even know what to that, think is true. that one. Um, but in terms of the prize pool distribution overall, uh, obviously you get DPC points for qualifying for the major and whatnot uh, through the upper division. You do not get any DPC for lower division at all. It's all just prize pool related. So first place for lower division, just to give you an idea, is 17,000. Upper division is 30,000, but you also get 500 DPC points. Um, yeah. I, wanna, I think overall I, I like this though. I want to quickly talk about that because something that we have put a lot of emphasis on on this podcast when we talk competitive scene is prize pool distribution it's something i've had i've been very passionate about for years in dota that i thought it wasn't fair um regardless of whether you're an amazing team or a good team or a bad team i think the prize pool structure should never have been as extremely top heavy as it was in the past and it has been flattening out over the years granted for example the first three ti's bottom eight got nothing to me, that's actually fucking crazy when you think back. Like, imagine that happened right now, what the outrage would be. But back then, nobody seemed to care about it. That was okay that mm-hmm. there was no prize for getting ninth in a tournament with all the best teams in the world. Ninth got nothing. That's insane. I don't know. I find it completely crazy. But anyway, um, this to me is a bit free trip the other to Seattle, side. bro. Okay. I mean, yeah, I know, but free food. Like, okay. Free hotel. Yeah, I know people use that argument, but the counter argument kidding, is obviously. well, you I know, I know, but some people use genuinely use that argument at the time. Yeah. I think, including Valve, um, the counter argument is that well, you're also generating, in quotation marks, free content, right? You are every tournament in order to have games needs to have losers, and the losers are contributing to the tournament. They they are there to make games to make the good teams look good. I mean, it's kind of blunt, but that is what I mean. It is what it is, right? The good yeah. teams look amazing compared to the less good teams. That's what makes them amazing. So there needs to be that, like in any sport, there will always be a loser and a winner, right? So that's just it's a necessary part of the format. So anyway, as far as prize pool goes with these groups or divisions, I actually think this is too flat. It's and you might very find that's, flat. Why don't you, you might find that surprising coming for people from that me because. Seen it. Uh, so the prize breakdown in the upper division is first place thirty grand, second place twenty eight grand, third place twenty seven grand, fourth place twenty six grand, then twenty five grand, twenty four, twenty three, twenty two. So basically one thousand dollars per extra placement, and then two thousand for reaching first place. I and think then... this is too flat because I don't think this represents the skill difference and the performance difference within this league. I know what they're going for is this um, sustainability, right, of being in this division. Um, and I'm happy that it is not as steep as many major tournaments we've had. But I, th- I still find this maybe, you know, a little bit too flat. You can differentiate a bit more 
I, I take a couple thousand here and push it a little bit. I actually yeah. like this, believe it or not. So just to finish it off, lower division is exactly the same way. So you have 17K, 16, 15, 11, 9, 7, and then 7th and 8th do not get anything. They're eliminated. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that, though. Yeah, they like, why do something. they not get anything? They just yeah, played I, an entire league. Like, why yeah. are they not getting rewarded? I have no that's, idea. That, that one's like, like that, the... That's, that one makes no sense. That makes no... Like, you make this flat in the top division, you make it relatively flat in the lower division, but then just fuck 7th, 8th, because, you know, <laughs> you guys lost. Like, come Nerds. on. Like, what is this? This is archaic to me. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, why... Oh, I, okay, I agree with that. Why is this even a thing? I like the idea of making it... This, the way that I look at this right now, the discrepancy is very small between each respective placing. It's almost like a salary that you're getting. It's like... Instead of price, we'll look at it as a salary, right? Everybody gets mm-hmm. a little bit different, but they're very similar at the end of the day. And then the real money and the real discrepancy comes at the major, which I want to get to in a second, unless okay. you have more to talk about. Here's my suggestion for a different format for this. I think if you want to make it this flat anyway, give everybody the same base amount, and then you get money per win. I think that's way better. Because... The way it is right now, I think the reason they've tiered it like this is so that there is a difference between getting 7th, 8th, and 6th, and 5th, right? But then in the top, it's obviously mainly the DPC points and the qualifications that people care about, right? But in the lower half of the upper division, these differences are so minor that it's kind of like the reward for getting 6th is not getting relegated. The reward for getting 5th is 50 DPC points. And the reward for getting 7th over 8th I will guarantee you nobody cares. Like literally, even the like the players in this game. It's 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 five percent of the total amount that you're getting for getting seventh instead of eighth out of your so otherwise. The reason that amount. I like this is because if you're other than the seventh and eighth place of the lower division, you're guaranteed mm-hmm. to get very similar amounts of money. You kind of know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. I really That's like good. that that uh, the idea behind that. I don't mind that, but let's like imagine this. Let's say let's just average this out. Let's say it's twenty five K average. That's Pretty true. It's pretty close, at least. It's a little bit more than that. What if instead it was 20k per team, guaranteed, you get 20,000 for playing in the league, and then you get per win? Then there's an incentive to try to win every game. Every game feels like there's a bit more at stake, and your teams are less likely to fuck around if they're already placed in a certain spot, right? I, yeah, I mean, that's fine too. I, I think because this is something that I personally have liked about, for example, I've played in Dream League, right, in the past, where they have this league structure where top X qualify to the to the land event, but also every series is worth a thousand dollars. Right. That makes it feel like you know one series for a thousand dollars. That's pretty decent, right? That's basically right now the difference between finishing seventh and eighth, mm-hmm. and you could. Give that kind of incentive. So I personally think that would be better. Um, so the current but overall, I'm right very now, happy with the guaranteed flat money for yeah, every team in the league. I think That's overall, good. I'm fine with this. I mean, I'd be fine with your idea too. Don't get me wrong. The thing I'm not okay with is seventh and eighth not getting anything. That seems just that is like it just ridiculous. seems to go against every single fiber of this entire the logic behind mm-hmm. uh, the prize distribution to begin with. Like if you read it from top to bottom, it's like, oh, okay, I kind of understand where they're going with this. And then it makes zero sense for the last two. I have no idea. It's like they just forgot to put anything in there. But anyway, uh, the majors. So, like we said, there's going to be three seasons. Each one will end with a major, uh, which will feature 18 teams from all the regions, 500,000 prize pool plus DPC points. You'll have four slots for EU as well as China. NA and SCA will have three slots apiece. And CIS and South America will have two slots apiece. And at the end of the final season, 
the top 12 will go to TI with six regional qualifier slots available, which means no open qualifiers to TI. That's that's yep. very new. What yeah. are your thoughts on that specifically? Um, I love it personally. I think I think it's good actually. I I don't think TI should have open qualifiers when it's such a huge event with so much money. I think the teams that have contributed and actively tried to get DPC points throughout the season or are like in that range are the ones that deserve a shot at going. Hmm. Uh, Again, this promotes stability instead of fuck it. Don't like our team. Let's make an open qualifier team and go to TI. The counter argument is that's how OG won TI8, right? But that's also a story that will never happen again. Let's be honest. That was ridiculous uh, and will not happen again. But um, Eh, you never know. it It takes away a little bit of that happy-go-lucky adventure style where anybody can make it, but believe me, not anybody can make it. So it's like, for the most part, the open qualifiers were just a chore and a grind until the top eight, right? The round of eight is when it got interesting, and this way you kind of already have that with the regional qualifier instead. You're going to have the good teams there. So, like, you don't need to run this open thing. I think it's okay. Um, What about the slots? Now... Yeah, the slots are four slots for EU and China, three for NASEA, and two for CISSA. I think overall that's pretty fair. I think this is relative to the strength of the regions. Uh, You get representation from all regions. You get most slots in the overall strongest regions. You can debate if this should be pre-assigned before the year uh, or if it should be adjusted based on the previous major. I think it should. I think the number of slots should be flexible, and you can go into the first season with this and then let's see how it goes right uh yeah i don't think you have to it should always be i mean i understand what they're trying to do here and of course none of this is a hundred percent set in stone because a lot of details are still missing but this Mm -hmm. one kind of seems a bit set in stone but i guess they could you know make a an addition later on if they really need to but i totally agree flexibility in terms of the strength i mean who knows maybe na has like five god tier teams for whatever reason next season not gonna happen i know but I mean, no, any region can just explode. Maybe a bunch of teams go to South America. Like, oh, this is actually way more worth than before to go to South America because of these new. I don't know what the residence rules are. It says you need three players that live in the region. I don't know if you live in the region if you just moved there. If that counts, I'm not sure. Well, I don't know what they're going to define. You live by. there, or did it say residence? Because that's something else. Then it's like you know a legal thing. I, I'm not sure. Mm. Anyway, um, what about let's the, quickly uh, talk prize pool here. Yeah, prize too. pool. So we were speculating when we heard the rumors that there was going to be three majors that we would go back to the big Valve majors, like the $3 million tournaments. That's what we thought could be happening. And this is actually kind of the opposite, where we're going to a smaller prize pool for the majors. But because the leagues have prize pools, the overall value of the season, I think if you add up all the math, is basically the same as this season with majors and minors. Uh, Somewhat close, at least. This year is five majors, five minors, which is six and a half million. And this next season is, what's that? $500,000 per major, that's one and a half million. And 280000 wait. The $280,000 prize pool is per, per season, per region. So that's 280000 times six regions times three. Because it's three seasons, right? So that's five million forty thousand plus hundred fifty thousand or uh, one point five million. So it's forty thousand dollars more than this year's circuit. It sounds like it's kind of you know calculated to be the exact same. To be honest, um, 
So yeah, so the overall season the, is worth the same. Here's the question though. But do they I think the answer to this is no. I think it would be a good idea to do it though. Battle pass for each season. So I remember, feel like it's a mistake not to do that. So the old majors that Valve ran, they had the seasonal battle pass for one of those years at least. But if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken, it did not contribute to the prize pool. Would right. you agree with that? I think that's how I remember it. Um, yes. The only battle have, pass that ever contributed was TI. If you have $500,000 prize pool for a major, plus the seasonal pass uh, prize pool from our community input or whatever, mm -hmm. that's going to be a good chunk of money. Yes. They don't have to make it super crazy. They can kind of limit it. But mm -hmm. the bad thing about it, the downside from Valve's perspective, not from mine, is that it will cannibalize TI. Because if you have three of these yeah. battle passes in a year, guess what? TI's is not going to look nearly as good. Even if it is vastly uh, more advanced, it's still going to be this idea that's been kind of refreshed over and over and over, right? Mm -hmm. So two questions. Do you think they should do it? Which I think I know the answer to it. Do you think they will do it? Uh, yes and no. I think they should, and I think they won't. But I, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know yet. It really depends what idea they have, because you could even imagine you could make an all-year battle pass that has all the majors anti, and then if you structure it in a good way, it could still primarily boost TI. I think maybe they've discussed this and come up with some sort of ideas, uh, but I don't know yet. The thing is, if they don't boost this, right? Undeniably, the majors will seem Less smaller. Prestigious. Yeah. I think in CSGO, the majors had half a million, and now they do a million. I could be wrong. <clears throat> but they also don't have the league structure in the same way we will have now. Um, but it's kind of weird saying this now, because 10 years ago, this would have been a fucking major. Half a million dollars. But now this right. is, you know... This has been the kind of prize pools that ESL One will have, which is not a DPC event, even. You know, like uh, the the second, the, the third party tournaments that are just running separately to the DPC will have this kind of prize pool, and that's kind of a problem. If the major, the tournament that gives DPC points and qualifies you to TI, ends up having the same prize mm. as a tournament that's not even in the circuit, isn't that just a bit weird? Uh, I don't know. So I do hope it gets boosted, either that they up the prize pool or that. Like you said, there's some way of contributing to it. Uh, whatever ways they can come up with that um, would be really good. There is the possibility, for example, uh, this is something that I think will be very different from the Battle Pass, but if we do have teams playing in the league um, in the season, you could imagine a system with, for example, merchandise. It's just a random example. Let's say there's eight teams playing in the upper division. Uh, you can now sell merchandise for the teams that have made it to the upper division and a percentage of sales go to the prize pool, for example. Um, that obviously needs to be a... How to say? It needs to be a, a cooperation between Valve and the teams present, right? Because it's technically the team's IP if they're selling merch, right? But it would also be in their interest to have it advertised that buying this also contributes to their prize pool. Kind of like stickers in CSGO, right? You know what I mean? It's yeah. that kind of idea. Could maybe. Like something along those lines could do something um, for, to up these prize pools. Um, now, the big elephant in the room here is TI is even fucking bigger now. 
which, <clears throat> you know, you and I are not a fan of. And I think a lot of other people also aren't the biggest fans of the insane discrepancy between TI and the rest of the year. And when you make it like this, TI by comparison is now even bigger because the majors were 3 million, then they were 1 million, now they're half a million. <clears throat> and even if you place in every single upper division, you place top one or top two, and you win the major, you're clearly winning less than last year. That's obviously, you can't both have everybody get more prize money and, or well, have the lower places get more prize money and the top places without more money. That's obvious. So if the budget is the same and you flatten it a bit, that is how it is. And I think that's okay that it's flattened more. Um, but yeah, this somehow we, to me, there's, yeah. If we go through this entire year and, well, I, we'll probably find out about this, I guess, by TI, I would assume. Mm -hmm. I don't think they would wait till after TI to explain some of these details. But if they do not do battle passes or any additional prize pool money attached to these majors, then I think we can pretty much say goodbye to any hope that TI will not uh, be in the vision that we have for it, where that prize pool is distributed somehow throughout the year. Because this is not a distribution of TI <laughs> at all. Mm. This is a redistribution of the amount of prize that you had throughout the year normally just consolidated in different ways, right? Yep. So TI, like you said, is going to be this massive thing that's even bigger, more top-heavy, which, it again, if they don't do the paddle, battle pass for the seasonals, this is what Valve wants. And I don't think there's any change in the mind at this point because this does, will be TI-10 at this point, right? That's a lot does, of... Yeah, this current TI will be TI-10. The system for this will be leading into TI-11, which also means that a lot of people's concerns that TI-10 will be the last one are now debunked. So. That was actually just mine. Yeah, I, I should yeah, mention okay. that I, that has been debunked officially, guys. Mythbusters and whatnot. Can you think of another sport or esport or whatever where one event is worth this much compared to the rest of the year? Or even no. close, like even half. Like let's say half or one third. Any sport. Well, traditional sports work a little bit differently, right? Yeah, their salaries are worth the year. So yeah. it's the opposite. In traditional sports, TI is the year. Poker? And the finals maybe? is this season. Poker is not even close. I mean, no. I don't, it's okay. unprecedented for the most part. Now, what we didn't say for this is that within this half million dollar prize pool for the majors, I really like the prize distribution in that. That is how prizes should be distributed, in my opinion. I think that's pretty much close to perfect. I need to look it up. Where is it now? Because it's not showing on the original post, right? Is it? Let me see. It is. Yeah, it, it is. shows. It's here. I scroll down. Okay. Prize distribution. First place, 200,000. Second place, 100,000. Third place, 75,000. Fourth, 50. Fifth, sixth, twenty-five, seventh, eighth, twelve point five. Okay, I take back my words. It's not perfect, but it's much better than what a lot of tournaments have had in the past, where first place is like half, or and bottom places are like almost nothing. Mm -hmm. um, this is the finals is worth the same as the rest of the tournament. I think is a bit too much. So when the prize pool is half a million, I like that the winners get two hundred k. I think that's fine. Uh, but arguably, maybe the finals should be worth a little bit less. So maybe second place should be maybe 120. And then you need to take those 20,000 out of third and fourth or something like that. Mm -hmm. But overall, this 
it looks nicer with like this. It looks very clean. It's funny because and it's, for the for oh, the DPC distribu- distribution, it's actually more flattened, right? So going mm-hmm. from first to eighth, it's five hundred. This is for the major. Then four fifty, four hundred, and it goes down. Uh, three fifty, three hundred, three hundred, yeah. two hundred, two hundred. So that's more flattened by far. Of course, it is working with a different uh, system, I suppose. But do you, are you a fan of that versus the the price pool itself? I mean, price pool. Wait, hang on. Enough. How many te- how many teams are in the major? There's eighteen in the major. And there's prizes for top eight only, according to this. Yes. All right, so in my mind, when I just read over this, I was like, oh, this looks like a nice prize distribution for eight teams, which it is, but what about the other 10? Do they actually just... Wait, are we missing something here? I mean... Are there just... Are more than half of the teams not getting anything except the money from the season? That's what the the regional... Like, there's 10 teams present in the major that get nothing. No DPC points, no dollars. Mm -hmm. Is that true? It's weird that it like drops some of them off are playing wild card, some nothing. sort of wild card thing. Some people are playing wild card stuff or whatever, and I mean, you can have the argument that well, if you made it to the major, you've already placed in your division, which means your prize is top four from your division, right? And that's like twenty five thousand. So that would be the prize that in the past you would not get for getting last, right, at these tournaments, for example. Like, we always need to remember the, the entire picture here, where technically getting last at the major is getting high in the, how to say, you retain your spot in the division and you got prize money from your division. Mm-hmm. So there is that prize money, and then this major is on top of it. So it's less bad than it looks. Um, I would still, it's it's just a limitation with the prize pool, right? If you have half a million dollars for this tournament, the, the money toward the bottom will be so irrelevant Limited. unless it's, or the top money will be not serious enough for an event of this magnitude that you kind of can't have both unless the prize pool is twice of the current or three mm-hmm. times. Well, the so interesting I guess it's thing, just a, it's a from thing. a DPC point standpoint, DPC point standpoint, uh, first place in the upper division of the regionals gets 500 DPC points. That's the same amount you get for winning the entire major. That's interesting. The DPC too. point system, I'm pretty sure, is broken. Like, this is not how it should be. And I think that was the number one biggest point of criticism that some of the top teams, especially Secret, I think, had was we get the same amount of DPC points from qualifying out of Europe as some team does from qualifying out of SA. If, they're, mm-hmm. if they retain the same spot in their division, they have the same amount of DPC points as we do. We don't think that's fair because it's extremely much harder in our division to place high, which there's no doubt about that. Like, nobody's going to dispute that. So that's one thing. But then let's say they like, both well, make it. Well, let's Why say... don't they get more DPC? I think the DPC points for the major should be higher. I just think it should be higher. Well, of course. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. It's just so, very weird. Like, imagine South America. Let's say there's a team that basically dominates South America, but versus the rest of the world is not that great. They're going to win mm-hmm. every single regional season. They will get into TI, which means two additional slots will go to South America. So that's three South American yep. teams, right? For TI, which could be bad. Pretty could be much, good, yes. But it's definitely not fair. 
if this point system uh, remains, I think it's very unlikely that we don't get minimum two teams from each region. Just because the chance that the one of the top teams from each region or two top teams from each region are better than the rest, is, it's pretty likely. And the amount of points they get going into this, the really good teams from Europe or China need to consistently place high. And it needs to like, the way it needs to distribute in order for the for TI to truly reflect the year is very specific. And I don't know how likely that is to happen. Uh, if you make the majors worth more DPC points, it's way more likely to happen. Because now, yes, you might qualify out of a weak region, but if you place low every time, your relative number of points to that of the top teams is way less severe. But it might still be enough to get you, let's say, 12th. And then one SA team, for example, from that gets to go to so TI directly. knowing... Let's wrap this part up. So knowing mm -hmm. what we know, again, yeah. there's a lot of details that need to be ironed this out. This is in a long time. I'm sure things will change somewhat. I Let's would just be very assume that things are set in stone as is. Uh -huh. Do you like this more than the last uh, year by comparison? Yes, I do. Even with the question marks? Yes. Okay. I still like this more than the current year, but that does not mean I have to love the new system. I think it has flaws, and I think they can be improved relatively easily. And it's a communication. Like, we need a dialogue. We need more opinions so we can get good ideas. Yeah. Um, but the concept, I love. The numbers need tweaks. Yep. That's what I think. Totally agree. And I think okay. from... Uh, I'm sure a lot of third-party studios or not third-party third tournament organizers are contacting Valve right now in a scramble. Uh to see what the hell the wording of this means with studio broadcast. Yeah, the studio we, thing could have been better. <laughs> very weird. Uh, the dates, by the way, essentially you'll have about three weeks in between each season for third-party tournaments to you know, be able to actually be active. That's good enough. So for I don't know if any actual tournament organizers have booked venues that far ahead or not because that, in theory, could screw them over. But this is pretty yep. far in advance, especially for Valve. Like February... We don't get yeah. to see that very often, right? So that's good. Okay, let us move on. There was a patch, 7.2 for a B. Uh, anything a B. jump out at you for this one? A lot of minor stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I mainly want to just... I, I mean, we can talk about every change. It's not that much. It takes five minutes. Bracer lost a percentage of magic resistance. This is something I wanted, so I'm happy that happened. I think bracers were just have been too good for Do you still months. buy two on a lot of heroes? Is this enough I think to, I still would, even with this minus 1%. They're, but they were just too good, and now they're still really good, mm. uh, I think. Desolator lost one minus armor, gained 10 damage, so it's less good against buildings and less good against team objectives like Roshan. But it's in hero versus hero combat, I don't think this changes very much. Uh, 10 damage versus one minus armor is, I don't know, I don't know the exact math, but I would imagine it's not that big of a deal. Diffusal Blade lost 10 mana burn. This item is super popular right now. Every edgy carry pretty much buys it. Um, and it has incredible utility. So, fair nerf, I think. Then, something that's been bugging me. I don't know if this has happened to you in games, but Maelstrom and Mjolnir had this absurd jump range on the Chain Lightning. I loved and it. I remember when this got patched in, when they added this to 900, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, you would literally be on the opposite side of the river getting hit right. by a Chain Lightning. I think it's great. I think this nerf is very justified, and I Lightning think it should have never no been 900 to be. Lightning Physics, okay? That's how the world works. Lightning can go so anywhere like and everywhere. So if you're a tall hero, you should have a higher chance of getting hit by the chain lightning, too. In theory, yes. And if you're wet. And if you have metal on you. Right. So, so if you're wearing cosmetics, it, more of a chance a to get hit by A bloodlusted morphling should just have lightning on him every time. 
that guy gets. Oh, and he's okay. he has a bracer cosmetic as well. That's definitely made out of metal. Ugh. Oh. Get wrecked. Uh, then we have some hero changes. Batrider got nerfed a bit on Flame Break. Inch got, I think, a big fucking nerf on Impetus. It costs so much more mana, especially in level one, but it costs more mana on all levels. That's a huge nerf. Io nerfed a bit, Husker nerfed a bit, Lifesteal nerfed a bit, Nyx nerfed a little bit. This means, I believe, that you can't impale into Meteor Hammer anymore uh, uh. with zero <laughs> overlap because beforehand the impale duration was 2.8 plus 0.3 from the talent, which was 3.1. Uh, I think now in order to do it, you need to cast the stun from a distance and then start hammering instantly so that the travel time of the stun I see. makes up for that so your hammer guarantees to land. Yeah. Uh, so that's an nerf. More skill. Uh, obviously. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think Nyx was too good. Puck's Waning Rift Range got nerfed a little bit. I think this is something we're going to see over the next half a year, that mobility gets nerfed. I think it's crept, it's crept too much. We have heroes with like two jumps. We have Aghanim Scepters that give two jumps. We have Slug. higher movement speeds. Um, things will get nerfed, I think, like that. Slaughter got multiple nerfs. He got hit pretty hard. Uh, most notably, in my opinion, Guardian Sprint has a mana cost, so it, you don't spam yeah. it off cooldown to run around the map and farm. Sad days. Um, that hurts a bit, but it's it's still... If you go for a build that has any sort of mana region, this is largely irrelevant. A lot of the time, Slaughters will go for Vladimir's. If you go for that, I think this only matters in the laning stage. Um, Snapfire lost some cookie stun and lost a lot of damage on Mortimer's Kisses, which is fair, because that was fucking bonkers. The damage of that ulti was actually just absurd, and it's been retweaked. That's fine. Timber lost a bit of armor. That's okay. It's not a big deal at all. Uh, Tiny lost a bit of armor as well on the higher levels, and Toss got nerfed for the fifth time in a row on level one. So now it has 850 cast range. I reckon in a year, uh, Toss can't toss anywhere. You just... To, you, it's called toss, but they just stay where they are and take ninety damage. Um, <laughs> wow, very unique. And finally, Void Spirit lost a bit of move speed. So, yep, good patch overall. It nerfed some of the anything you surprised is not in there. Maybe neutral items. Are you happy with neutral items now? You think um, they're very balanced. They're much better. I they can they will never be balanced. Uh, I think the concept itself cannot fully be balanced, um, but they're in the best spot they've ever been for sure. Um, it's just extremely difficult to like. You need an insane sample, which Valve probably have, uh, but even win rates of items doesn't really equate to how good they are because it's just some specific heroes are too good with one item compared to everything mm. else. And then it's about is that hero in the game that gives it the win rate or whatever. You can probably map it out over time. Um, something missing. Uh, I think a lot of people would like to see Phantom Lancer in here. Get a little bit of hate, God, I but hate that hero. didn't happen. But Diffusal Blade got nerfed, but it's only on his main hero that it lost the Monovern. The illusions have the same as before, so mm-hmm. barely matters for that hero. Uh, yeah, but yeah, for for the most part, I think the nerfs are fair, and it's on the most obvious heroes, so that's good. Okay, uh, something that happened before all of this, of course, uh, Valve banned over 40,000 accounts for players who were found abusing matchmaking in some way. These bans will now appear as game bans in Steam as well as being matchmaking bans in Dota 2. Very good. We don't get need to talk fucked. about Yeah, get get wrecked, son. Uh of course what do you mean we don't wrecked. We can say get fucked. We're not even sponsored. Get, get fucked. Please sponsor get us. Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 
I mean, we don't need to talk about this too much, but it's good to see that. I mean, they could have made this up. Who knows if this is even true? <laughs> I mean, what's the proof that? Well, first of all, where's the proof that these people were banned? And second, how do we know they were even guilty to begin with? Could have been my <laughs> my other account downstairs that I don't even use for Dota anymore. But I mean, well, it's we, just they we were found this. abusing matchmaking. Maybe that means right. that they aren't playing. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how you're supposed to use it <laughs> you stop playing i'll show you you'll never come back now <laughs> if you're not playing you're not playing <laughs> yeah god i'm good do you wish they had maybe some data to show behind this or are you happy with the, the general i message? think there is value in keeping that private um you can give the numbers of what you have banned but sharing any metrics sharing any way they detected it sharing anything don't do that because you know, any information of that helps people that are abusing or evading bans or trying to manipulate the system. So just letting people know, hey, guys, we fucked a lot of people that deserved it. And then people can be like, "Woo, that's great. And then that's like a it's like that final section when you watch the news. Right. Where it's like the first section is coronavirus kills another 50,000 people. Then the second section is taxes are higher than ever and then the final section is oh look at this cute puppy and then you're like oh that's a cute puppy and then the news are over right and that's basically that nice, message a nice thing this, yeah that's the last thing you this this is the ending of the news you're like by the way today valve banned 40,000 accounts and then i was like yeah and then <laughs> there you go so i like that nice. analogy that's good uh also a tweet from uh, cyborg matt Valve are now accepting proposals from cities around the world to host Dota 2's International 2021. Why is Cyborg Matt tweeting that and not Valve first? Was Valve tweeting it first? Uh, no, they haven't tweeted anything. I actually checked their they Twitter have. today. There, there is a tweet. There is a the tweet. Dota 2. I think so. I'm, I'm pretty going sure there I right it. now me, because I could have sworn I just checked today. We'll see. Uh, it might be the other one. It might be Dota 2 Updates that tweeted it. That is not official Valve. Let Come on. It's not even related to Valve at all. Dota 2. Oh, it's not? No, not. At... Why would they have? <laughs> they post the same content. It's literally just retweets. Anywho, doesn't matter. I haven't even thought of Oh, DM for business. Yeah, okay. That's not a Valve piece. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, wow. uh, it's Cyborg Matt. It's been 11 years almost. <laughs> You just found this out. That's incredible. No, I just I haven't really paid that much attention, (laughs) honestly. So it's fine. So where would you like to see TI eleven? Well, can we answer the question first? Why is this? Sure. Oh, okay. So Valve Press sent out an email to press. To press, right? So they did want it released, but why is this not something you tweet out of the Dota 2 account? Let's say that instead. Like, you're announcing it with press, which is fine. So you know it's going to get posted. Cybergman did nothing wrong posting this. That's not the point here. It's just, this is a kind of big deal. Why are you not posting that from the official Dota Twitter? Why is it Dota 2 updates that post it? You want other people to create the hype for you? You feel like you've been spamming your Twitter too much lately, perhaps? Now that you say it, I think I remember this Dota 2 Updates account. Wasn't that the one that used Here to make go. fun of League of Legends all the time in the past? <laughs> I don't know. I have I no idea. So. I actually think so. All right. Whatever. Anyway. I like how this is a revelation for you. That's great to hear. No, it's not. So now that you to answer your out, question, I, wa- I, was, I have I was no idea. Answer. Where do you want to see TI-11? Do you want to see it on a new continent that we haven't been on yet? Mars. Yes, that's um, the new continent. 
I mean, I'm biased because I Don't prefer not it. traveling far, right? Okay. I thought um, you were going to say Denmark. Well, that would obviously be awesome, but I don't think it's realistic. Not because mm -hmm. we can't afford it or don't have the infrastructure, but Dota isn't very big here. So I don't really think Denmark deserves it. Um, I think CIS deserve it. I would like to see a CIS TI. Uh, we've had it in Europe twice now after this year. We have had it a lot in America. And I would like, I would like to see it in CIS. Lately, the amount of production value that has come out from both Epicenter and WePlay has been fucking amazing. So yeah. I think they're definitely capable. And from Valve's perspective, having it in CIS is probably also, you know, it's cheaper. That's kind of nice. It's a fucking big event. It's expensive to run TI. That's a, a good way of saving some of that many million dollars. And people, believe me, people underestimate how expensive it is to run TI. They're like, oh, the Battle Pass made Valve $100 million. There you go, $100 million down the pockets. I'm not going to say they don't make a profit. Of course they do, but... People that aren't into event organizing or haven't been to these events in the backstage side of things and understand the cost of things, running an event like TI costs many million dollars. It yes. does. Uh, it's not free. So Valve are not pocketing all the money you guys are giving them. But Just most of it. They're pocketing the majority. <laughs> and, I, mean, I think most people understand that. And that's, that's fair, right? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I'm not going to argue that Valve aren't allowed to make a lot of money off their game. That's It's their game. So... so but. All right, so your choice is uh, pick a city. Specific. Be specific here. Kiev? Um, I really liked Moscow when I was there for okay. Epicenter. Moscow, sure. Yeah, I think that would be cool. But and it's it, in the summer, I mean, for so now, the weather is it, better, right? I mean, it's also, a geopol it's, it's also a geopolitical thing, right? Like, who knows? Like, you can't deny that there's a bit of, you know, like, it doesn't seem like Valve cares very much in this. And they're very much like, we want to do business with every country and blah, blah, blah. But you know, the whole thing between like US and Russia and with politics right now, true. who knows where we are in a year. I, I don't know if that's something Valve really will not care about at all. Or if they will be like, okay, well, if we need to plan a year in advance, do we want to go here or not? I do you know. think that they will repeat but. in the same place? Instead of going somewhere new. For TI-11? No. Yeah. Okay. No. I have a new place, new place for you, Cinderin. It's not going to happen. I would personally love to see it, though. It's mm -hmm. in a region that is not represented almost at all right now. Mm -hmm. I would just imagine how sick this would be. In Dubai. Yes. You got me, buddy. Damn, that was actually... I fucking guessed it, dude. 11 oh my god. Do you know how fucking legit that would be? you know how much money they would throw at this shit? Not they, meaning uh, Dubai. I'm pretty sure... I mean, they have a ton of Saudi princes there. Which, by the way, mm. we're still looking for sponsorship in case you were wondering. But <laughs> they have a lot of money to throw around. I'm from the Middle East, partially. Lived there for a while. Not in Dubai specifically, but I've I've been there. I mean, it's it's pretty legit. It's pretty legit. It's like the only place in the Middle East I probably even want to visit right now. So the only problem, of course, is uh, yeah, it's the Middle East. That's <laughs> that's kind of the issue right now. I mean, not the safest I, I place. Think, in the world. I mean, Dubai is fine, but depending I think on where you go, the primary factors Valve should take into account when they select these cities. The most important things are obtainability of visa. 
because it's in the fairness of the in the sake for the sake of the competition you want the teams to be able to go so visa and i think local fan base should play a really big role like give it to a region that has tons of people the manila major was fucking amazing for a reason because the Mm. the philippine audience is huge and they're super passionate about dota so that major for me was very memorable the crowd was fucking wild yeah that that was my favorite in terms of like the big tournaments, not including TI, that was my favorite of all time because they were so it was hardcore so into it. Our team got destroyed, and I still loved it. Yeah, Philippines mm. would be a very good place to have it for sure. Uh, that one is a bit again maybe tricky with politics or with visa. I don't know how easy it is. I, I'm it's not an expert on this, so I'm not terrible pretend, time of the year weather wise. I mean, that's yes, that's like that ball is, sweat. You walk outside and your ball, even if you don't have balls, they will. Well, start you said sweating. Dubai. Dubai in August is probably also pretty damn it right it's pretty it's pretty pretty fucking it's probably better than the honestly that is the hardest weather i've ever been in in terms of like just being outside when at the manila major i could be outside for two minutes i would go in because it's extremely it was super humid it was like 40 degrees celsius uh i felt like i was melting i would genuinely only be outside to go to another place inside i use it as transit that's what the outside was for me just so have it in phoenix man dry heat Dry heat is infinitely better than humid heat. So nice. Yeah. So nice. So, so du- Dubai would probably be better than the Philippines, honestly, for weather. Dubai might be humid be too, though, actually. Saudi Arabia, I, I can't remember how close it is to the ocean, but Saudi Arabia, where we lived, it was both ridiculously hot and humid. Uh, hmm. It was probably the worst experience you can have weather-wise, aside from living in an actual jungle or something. Or just living right. in the cold. Cold is still worse than everything. I, I don't care what anybody says. Hate it, hate it, hate it. I, I think my top three places that I would like to see TI go to would be either somewhere in CIS, Singapore, or um, another country in Western Europe, I think. Would also be cool. Such as? Germany. It could come eh, back to Germany. Germany's Germany has a, a lot of fans. Germany has a lot of fans, and it's a super good central hub for the world. It is. And... It's a good location. So I feel like it's a it's a it's see, a good place for many reasons, but uh, see, I'm more if, into the idea of doing yeah. something that makes a splash. I guess that's why mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan because sure. it feels like half the terms are in Germany. That's why I brought <laughs> Dubai. Singapore is a great option as well. Philippines. Um, I don't know how easy visas are for Singapore, though. Yeah, that's. I mean, for all these countries, I have no idea. I'm just listing them. Yeah. I don't. I just don't know. It might be easy. I you know, I, I wouldn't mind, even though we had one in Vancouver, what about Toronto, the other side of Canada? That would be cool. That's a really cool city. I um, just, I feel like now that TI has been in the Americas eight times, if we start yeah. making it global, then don't bring it back for another two or three years. Use the other regions, I think. But you could always go to Alabama. That's like another country in itself. So Right. I hear it's real nice down there this time of year. I think the prices will. will be very different there. Yes, that's true. Anywho. First place gets to win. Okay, never mind. Um, yep. <laughs> Let's move on. I really want to know what you were going to say, but you're not going to. So, uh, Fighting Pandas has made some changes. Eternal Envy and Snaking have left. And according to... I didn't see this as an actual announcement, but on Wikipedia, it shows that Kezu and Skeeter, Kezu and Skeeter have joined, yep. at least temporarily. They, the reason it's posted there is that they've joined on the major registration page where you sign up your players for the roster. So okay. they didn't make any, I don't know why they didn't make any official announcement. Maybe it's just like a tryout period thing or whatever, or they don't want it to be a big deal, but they mm-hmm. will be playing there. Yeah. 
So no idea why these players left. Really? Uh, you don't know? I don't know. Do you know? Really? Really? Well, no, I don't actually know, but I can guess, Cinderin. I mean, there's uh, probably some sort of inter-drama between their uh, clash of personalities. We were kind what? of expecting fighting pandas what? to... <laughs> You're saying that Eternal Envy and the rest of the team are having internal issues? There's no way. I have never heard okay, of that ever happening. In all fairness, oh, you're making shit. the way you're painting this image right now is that Envy is the bad guy. There is no guarantee that it's that <laughs> black and white. I think you were saying yourself, for example, that a player like Moon Meander can be very oh, you know, yeah. hot-headed and no, okay, aggressive no. or whatnot. Let's go so. back. Let's go back. If you guys don't remember, we had this podcast when they first formed, and I said, not that this is, you know, I mean, it's not a, that big of a deal. This is one of the worst constructed teams of all times in terms of just personalities. Like somebody like Eternal Envy, who I root for all the time, he can technically work if it's within the right constructs of a team and the right personalities around him. Absolutely. I feel like he's burned a lot of bridges, so it's going to be harder for people to trust him at this point. But in theory, it is possible. Put him together with some of the other personalities on this team. There is no fucking chance. There's no way. There's absolutely... No, it's like putting PPD and Sumail together. You know that will never, ever, ever work again. Period. Sometimes bridges are just burned. They don't grow back. It's made out of fucking wood. They're, it's gone, Cinderin. Depends. Some bridges are made out of other material. And then if they burn, it's even more impressive. So, yeah. I hate you. Okay. okay. Any um, more words on fighting pandas? Well, uh, you asked for my opinion. I have no idea. I don't know how good this is going to be. Um, I think North America as a region right now is not very strong. So I think they have a very good chance of making tournaments. Uh, they're going to have their first showing in the key of minor in, in just a bit because this team did qualify with their old roster. So Skidder and Keza will be playing there. And we'll, we'll see how they do. I think overall in terms of personalities, this is better. I think this mix is more believable for me that it can function longer term. Uh, but at the same time, there's still quite a lot of potential volatility. Uh, but again, we, we don't really know exactly what they're, what they're sure doing. Sure we do. So, and how they're, sure we do, Sundra. But, sure we but do. Yeah. <laughs> I think now, now that... So my impression, my impression of Envy and Snaking as players and what they do in a team is I think Eternal Envy brings a lot of ideas and is very passionate and talks a lot. I think Snake King is a really good shot caller in game. I think he calls a lot of the plays. I think he is active in the game. And then for the rest of the players, I think AUI also talks a lot. That's what I've heard at least. He Moon Meander is clearly very passionate. And then Brile is more quiet. So their old roster had a lot of voice. And I think that might be what if they switched it up, it might there might have just been too much going on, too many conflicting ideas, too many leadership types. Now, the players that they brought in are kind of vocal too. Kezu likes playing like snaking with like shot calling in game and calling map movements and making decisions. And Skitter is a very vocal position one that calls plays as well. So um, let's see if it's another one of these too many chefs in the kitchen kind of things or if this one works better. Um yeah, it, it's always, you never really know, right? We always just speculate, and sometimes you're very confident in something and you're actually totally wrong. But th- to me, this feels like a slightly less intense version of the previous team, but still an intense team. Mm-hmm. That's my guess overall. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll hear more about what happened. Uh, maybe 
Snake King and Envy are actually just going to another team, for all we know. just hasn't been announced yet. Uh, nobody yep. really made a big deal out of it. It was just a quick tweet, I believe. So, yep. We'll see. We shall see. I mean, they haven't had that much success at this point, so it's not like it's making a huge splash, but it's still something to keep in mind going forward. Sure. Okay, moving on to Dota Underlords, which has finally, finally launched after a true beta. Which, by the way, I have to give them kudos for this. In this day and age, it is not easy to run an actual beta because back in my day when you had a beta... It was actually not ready for launch. You actually change stuff constantly. It wasn't just, oh, putting the beta on it and eh, it's actually the real game. Just play it, whatever. So it gives you this mm. free get out of jail card. But I think that actually hurt them. The fact that it was in beta for so long and they kept changing stuff drastically and consistently. Like the jail was in there one day, another day it wasn't. Uh, but they've officially launched. We ran a the launch stream for them actually slacks me Shiver, tsunami and a bunch of other guests and it was fun they've changed stuff mm -hmm. again uh they've finalized it with four underlords they have a single player mode called uh, city crawl which is pretty cool and they have a massive battle pass which has a lot of cool stuff in it so the game is essentially done obviously they're going to continue to update it at least i would assume so did you get to catch any have you played I any watched, Underlords lately? I watched a little bit. I have not played for a while. I don't think I've played since we played the Duo game. Duo is still fun. I'm not going to lie. I like Duo. Uh, Solo can be... Mm. It, looked, it looked pretty good uh, overall, I would say, when I watched it. I think one of my complaints about the visual clutter, they've done a better job with, that it's, it's a bit cleaner again. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just because I kind of got used to it, but considering I've barely watched it for a while, I felt like it was easier to see what was happening in fights than I remember it being when we played. Um, I think they've put in a lot of new interesting ideas. And then it's just about, like you said, is it too late? Did you miss the hype of the genre? Or did you run the beta in the correct way? Because arguably... You can do like open and closed beta, right? What most games in the past did was that they did an alpha, which is always closed. Then they did a closed beta, and then they would do an open beta for a short amount of time and then launch. And what right. Underlords did was it ran an open beta for a long time mm -hmm. uh, before it, they actually started even monetizing the game. It's been free to play for how long now? Like fully free to play where you couldn't buy anything at all? Yeah. It's a year? Almost a year. Almost. Yeah. Um, pretty long time it's hard to say i think the game developers need experience they need to see what works and what doesn't because i mean it's a it's a change of pace in the industry in general with how people are unsatisfied with early release games that then turn out shit but you know you bought it well this so is the thing you made the money. i will say i i'm really really uh, hoping that uh valve doesn't get discouraged uh from straying away from the type of stuff they did in underlords because I think the thing that they did is what Dota, Counter-Strike, literally every game that Valve has ever had a community behind has wanted, and that is transparency. That is communication. Mm -hmm. They have been forthright in every single way that you would want, but the game has just not been successful. Uh, keep in mind, like from a Twitch perspective, it's been a disaster, right? It just doesn't get views. But from a mobile standpoint, I haven't looked at the numbers, but it, it's not like it's dead or anything. More people mm -hmm. play mobile than on PC by far. For sure. Right. And it's still a game that I would, if I'm 
on my phone and away from my PC, I would definitely consider playing it if I feel like I want to play a game or something like that. It's not like it's a bad game at all. I think right. the main issue with the game is the genre. I think it's just capped out. There's only so much you can do with it. And I think they made some interesting twists, made some cool content for it. But there's like six different versions of this game, essentially, let's call it that. Auto Chess, TFT, mm. uh, whatever the fuck the other ones are called at this point. There's just a million. There's the one Battlegrounds or whatever it's called for Hearthstone. Right. And it, I, I just don't see it as one of those type of genres that will be like a MOBA. It's not going to take over the world. It had this huge peak for a while, and that was it. And now it's kind of slipped away and that's fine like that's not that's not a it's not like he failed at least not in my eyes i think it's great experience and again i just hope that they will continue to work uh within their game uh communities the way that they did with underlords the thing that valve might consider it is that from a business standpoint they might consider it a failure not because it necessarily turns out to not even turn a profit i'm i'm pretty sure this game will make a profit in the end but the fact that they didn't time it right, that they didn't hit that moment where this game, if it was done half a year ago, would have been very profitable. Right. And you kind of missed the mark there where I guess all the other games also didn't really profit. I don't think League of Legends, I don't think, I don't know Teamfight Tactics or the mode in Hearthstone or whatever, if they cost money, like if they actually profited off them, if they were just something extra. Uh, that those games had as a competitive element, um, but well, those are both within the clients of their respective games, actually. So, I and think you can't buy anything in them. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm, That's what I, I mean. Like, if there's like yeah, microtransactions, sure. whatever it is, like that, that you missed that because, I mean, let's not forget, like Valve is a company that prides itself on making good games, but they're a business. They want to make money, and mm-hmm. it's cool to make a really good game that people enjoy, but you still want it to make money, right? Right. A perfect example of an awesome project Valve did that went above and beyond was Portal, which was kind of a small internship. It wasn't actually an internship project or whatever, I think, but it was just like, it was a small side project some people were passionate about and thought was fun. They made it, they launched it, and it hit. That is what you want your games to do. Mm. But when you make multiplayer with complex systems like this, it's a lot harder to not run a beta. You need feedback on your battle pass. You need to see how people interact with the game. You need to see how they interact with each other. You need to see how the matchmaking works. There's so many things that need trying and testing where you can do it locally, but then when you launch it on a big scale, it could fuck up completely and people hate your game. Or you could do it globally, but it takes time, and now did you miss the hype or not? And that's just, it's really, I think hitting that sweet spot, I don't think there is a recipe. It's a little bit down to luck too, you know? Hmm. Like maybe Valve got a bit unlucky with the timing. Like I Maybe mean, they had the idea and it took a bit too they, long or... To be fair, once Auto Chess got pretty popular, they came out with Underlords pretty fast i mean talk about like from essentially a ground up game i mean obviously you're taking assets from dota and whatnot but still mm-hmm. a brand new game that's pretty fucking fast right they they made it and we don't know how long it had been in development right with uh that's with auto chess in the background we don't know but but i think at the end of the day i i think underlords is a cool game it mm-hmm. will never be like a main game that i play and that's just a product of the genre. I just think the ceiling, it doesn't have a huge ceiling. And that's fine. I, I think that's kind of maybe the common think... misconception. It's not supposed to compete with Dota, right? Like Artifact, here's a good example. I think Artifact had and technically still has a much higher ceiling. 
than I agree something like Underlords. Like not even remotely close. It's just I agree. it's just the product of the, the genre itself, I think. And do you think do you think a multiplayer game, a PvP multiplayer game, can remain successful if it doesn't have a big esports scene? Say it again. Do you think a PvP multiplayer game can remain successful and keep turning a profit if it doesn't have a strong competitive scene? Yes, of course. Like, is there an example of that? Clash of Clans. Okay. I don't know very much about mobile, so... I think mobile... Okay, maybe there, there's probably a few PC games like that. From mobile perspective, it's almost all of them. <laughs> I right. Like. I think I mean, mobile is different. Let's say PC. Still play competitive at I, times. I think mobile is mobile is different. Without having with a that. competitive scene. Um, like, is there a is there a big PvP game that still has a lot of players after say two Mine, years? Minecraft. Is that competitive? Is that at all? PvP? I guess technically, maybe it can be. Uh, it's not I'm, I'm just think I'm thinking about it because if you make these kind of titles and it is a PvP thing, I think and part of the reason that Underlords can't be that huge game is that the viewer experience in terms of competitive PvP is not interesting enough. So mm-hmm. I don't think even among people that play this, I don't know how good the viewership will be, and I don't know how long how strong the retention will be for an esports scene because it feels like the gameplay of this will not remain extremely interesting to watch. It's super fun to play, probably, mm. uh, which will retain a lot of players. But that's yeah, that's true. The strengths well, of games was... like CS:GO or Dota or League of Legends or Call of Duty or whatever it is is that they are really fun to watch on a competitive level because there's a lot of satisfying complexity and depth in the PvP and how people react to how each other play. Underlords doesn't it doesn't feel like it will have that, I that think edge, right? That's interesting you bring that up. I don't want to get this and make this a big thing, but you could argue that Dota is not great to watch. At least for a casual yes. fan. You have to be playing in the game a lot to understand what the hell's going on. Counter-Strike, not the case. That's mm-hmm. one of those you can just show to anybody, right? So it could be a product like Dota might... The biggest reason it has viewership is because it has, has had so many players in the past, right? More than anything. But Whereas it's also Underlords, because the players that it has, the game itself has more to offer as a spectator sport, I think. Like, let's say Underlords had the same amount of players as Dota did. I don't think it would be as viewed as Dota is. Probably not. Yeah. I don't think so. No, I agree. That's my point. But is that having like, if said you that, play though, it, like I've been casting and I'm still casting the ESL Underlords event that's going on right now, mm-hmm. that the finals will be actually at the uh, ESL One LA. I genuinely find it fun to watch and cast. It's a cool game. Like again, I'm not gonna main. Like I'm not mm-hmm. gonna sit here and say I'm gonna play 12 hours of Underlords a day. No, I'd rather be right. playing Dota for sure. But it's still a fun game to watch. I think. But I know you can't answer this question, but <laughs> let's I say... I will. I will answer this. Will this game still be really fun for you to watch in half a year? I mean, it depends on if it's updated or not, I guess. Well, what kind of updates can you make to this game to make it constantly interesting to watch? With the, like, the pieces and the concept that it has, right? With what is moving around, what the parts are. Mm. I mean, the counter-argument is, how come chess is still popular, right? Like, that game hasn't been updated for fucking thousands of years, but <laughs> it's like the sheer amount of players and the whole cultural root of that game is not something that gaming can compete with, right? right. But, um, like, Underlords, with what it has, how can you... You obviously can't just say what they should do, right? But the framework, let's say the framework, 
how far can that go in reinventing itself and being interesting to watch for, huh. let's say, years compared to CSGO or Dota, but, right? But that's the issue. And we're just going to revisit one of my points that I've mm -hmm. already made. It only has a ceiling that's so high. So probably not. But that's just because the genre mm -hmm. I don't find nearly as interesting and as a mobile. We're, we're not MOBA's equating so much this more to success either, right? We're not, we're no, not, not saying that this should be Underlord's goal and that is what we're going to rate them against that oh you didn't make it to dota tier i think nobody ever wa wanted or thought that would happen so mm. it's it's not that it's just it's it was a side comment i kind of wanted to discuss a little bit because it's something that as a game developer you probably think about right like do we want our game to be an esport if we do we need to implement mm -hmm. these systems do we not because underlords has competitive systems in place right but i don't think they're trying to be a really big esport uh right i, I have that impression that they're not but they're trying to reach people through streaming, obviously. So people want to play their game and be part of the community and be part of that competitive circuit that it has without being a massively big game uh, in the eSport aspect. Whereas Artifact was announced as an eSport, right? We want a million-dollar tournament in our first year. Didn't happen. Spoiler. But hey, <laughs> it could still happen hey, in the future. It could it's happen. It's going to happen. It could happen. I that was meant to be an eSport by design. Oh, of course. That was meant to be an eSport by design. Yeah, and that... I and mean, it feels like again, wasn't. like, you just go back to any games that I've followed, it's... I've always been fascinated by, by the competitive scene. Like, if you look at all the games that I've invested a shit ton of time in, firstly, Counter-Strike, mm -hmm. then a little bit into the Unreal and Battlefield worlds, Warcraft 3, like, everything is... The backbone is the competitive scene. That's just what I'm attracted to. So for Underlords, right. like right now, it's very interesting because this huge patch just came out. You get to see all these like really good players do stuff that you didn't think was you never even thought of these compositions or you know what kind of things that they're putting together on the actual battlefield. But yeah, in six months, will I be interested? I, I couldn't say. I mean, it's not going to be like Dota. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. I just okay. I don't find that same interest level. It doesn't mean it's not fun to watch right now for sure. Right. So. And of I think course. something that did hurt them was the underlords themselves, actually. Don't think the reception to those characters are that great. We thought it would be good and it, what the game needed, and so did Valve. We were celebrating it as a good idea. It right. just hasn't really worked. And that's, I mean, I originally that's a thought really it was, difficult call I, to make, right? I originally thought the underlords were just like something you select at some point and it gives you a buff. I didn't Not think a they piece be, on the board. Yeah, I didn't think they'd right. be actual that's units. That's what I thought, too. And that's what I, I thought, too. I still don't like the actual units personally right. i don't know what the consensus is throughout the underlords community but regardless i thought the exact uh, same as you yeah but yeah moving on oh we should have mentioned the the trailer for underlord which is fucking awesome holy shit uh the sfm you guys should really youtube that uh search that on youtube but mama eat i can't i can't remember the actual names anymore it's so late but she has in the sfm her hand if you slow it down on her middle finger, the artifact symbol, Cinderin. What does this oh. mean for the future? It means her fingers are a long haul. She gets stabbed, spoiler alert, she gets stabbed to death right after that. So is that, <laughs> does that pay homage to artifact <laughs> as a game? We're fucking done. Or boy. is it unrelated and she just happens to have a tattoo of artifact on her finger? <laughs> 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 I didn't know that actually. That's so funny. You haven't seen oh, it? It's God. so good. It's so good. No, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen that. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh awesome. a couple more topics before we bid everybody adieu. 
So coronavirus is now starting to affect esports, Cinderin. Uh Actually, right. let's talk about coronavirus real quick. So uh, I've heard in Europe it's more widespread than it is in the U.S., probably because of the closed borders for the most part here, right? Um, is it? I have you heard anything? Not... Do you watch the news? Do you know anything about this? So I, the main thing I know is about where the primary outbreaks or the primary reports have been of where it's spreading or has had cases confirmed or whatever. And one of them is Poland. And that is where I am Katowice is obviously by being in Katowice. So yeah. um, I think it was Poland and Italy in Western or in Europe, Western slash Central Europe um, that I can think of were confirmed cases there might be more um at least where it was significant enough that they were doing something about it uh, mm. to this extent of canceling this um i mean this is a difficult topic right because i think i talked about this on my stream yesterday or the day before is that if you're a tournament organizer you kind of can't win here right like either your event doesn't get to get public attendees or you have to cancel the event entirely which is bad or people go to the event and get sick and then you look bad. All right. I mean, look bad is just one thing, right? People, if people fucking die, that's something else. Then you're looking bad, right? In terms uh, of. Okay, hold on. I'm actually going to stop you. Do you think anybody would actually blame the tournament organizers for people catching coronavirus? I don't think so. Mm, maybe that's true. I'm not sure if it's that if it's that black and white that people are just like, oh well, if the government allowed them to do it, it's the government's fault, or that's just a risk you know you're taking when you go or whatever. I don't know if it's that simple that people are just like, oh whatever, or they're like, man, the tournament should have really done better monitoring or had people do this or that before they were allowed to enter, like whatever it could. Be. I could imagine, uh, I could definitely imagine it. And regardless, by extension, it's still something that people will remember your tournament for, and that's bad. Right, like right. whether it was your fault or not, they're gonna remember that about your tournament that people got sick with a virus. Nobody wants that. So anyway, regardless, this cancellation of public attendance for IEM Katowice was not the tournament organizer's decision. It was the government told them you can't have right. people attend. So it's really bad luck for ESL because you know fans are going to be disappointed they were really looking forward to this they wanted to go they had their tickets now they have to go through all of this refunding they don't get to go but as far as i'm aware the tournament will run in its normal form without a live audience uh, maybe they're not going to use the arena at all who knows like is it worth using an arena if you have no audience if you've booked uh, it I, I, I according to according to some dota events it is um <laughs> Mainly in, uh, we've, we've had some great examples of that. I think yeah. Heroes of New Earth had a great example of it toward the end. The, the, the gymnasium? A very, a very dark and empty basketball court or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> so yes, you can run it. Is, does oh, it look God. good? Is it good? Probably not. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sucks. I need to um, find that video of the Heroes of New Earth thing. This is after I quit Han. <laughs> First time I saw it, I was literally in tears. It was so fun. Oh um, my God. So bad. So... I mean, I, I don't want to talk about this for too long, but the thing, the thing about these outbreaks is the media has a lot of power and a lot of responsibility in communicating properly how severe the situation is and what the risks are. Like, if the common public consensus is, oh my God, there's this virus going around, it's fucking terrifying, we're all going to die, then people will panic and not do anything. Mm. Or if the media is like, eh, it's whatever, 
then nobody will pay any attention and a lot of people will get sick. So you kind of need to strike that correct balance where it's given the attention it deserves, but no more and no less. Um, and the attention it deserves, in my opinion, is to better be safe than sorry, right? So if, it, if there is an outbreak and it's dangerous, we inform people that it's dangerous, we take care of it and we do it in a good way. But at the same time, we don't cause mass hysteria, right? Uh, from what I heard, which I cannot confirm this, this virus is supposedly in intensity similar to the flu. It's a 2% um, mortality rate, right? Yeah. I, I don't know what the mortality rate is, but these statistics can be extremely misleading because yeah, I don't if know the if sample true. size is small and it's just like a bunch of old people that got it who have weak immune systems, then it might or be relatively harmless. a bunch of anti-vaxxers. Right? <laughs> yeah. If it hits all the anti-vaxxers, they had it coming, you know. Um, I mean, that's one I mean, way. I don't know do if it. you could vaccinate against a new virus, though, Shannon. That's a bit unfair. Well, no. Like, if um, you don't vaccinate but, against, uh, doesn't it just make you more susceptible to pick up other stuff? Like, it's not Possibly. just about I, the specific vaccines that they're trying to stop, right. right? I think that's my understanding of it, at least. Uh, the, the thing I've gathered about this is that compared to something like SARS, which was, I wouldn't say there was hysteria, but there was a really big deal when that came out. If you remember, um, people were fucking terrified. And I think SARS had a higher mortality rate, but was way less infectious. And this has a lower mortality rate and is more infectious. So it spreads better, but it's less dangerous. And I don't know what else have we had in the last years. We've had the bird flu, right? Which turned out to be relatively weak. Yeah, that was like a... Um, that was overhyped. And that was also blown up, right? Yeah, that was overhyped. All of these... I, I feel like these epidemics get... I don't know if you can even call them an epidemic if they reach that status. They always get blown up to be something big and they're not. And... It's fine to ward, uh, warn people and it's fine to make a big deal out of it. But again, just make sure that it's reasonable and people don't start panicking and going crazy um, over something that's manageable, right? So mm -hmm. in this aspect, as far as this event goes, who are we to judge if they should have canceled it? Um, they're playing it safe. The government is. It might, be, it might not even only be something that Poland decided. There might have been pressure. Uh, oh, do you think this is going to affect Dota events? Like, what if, like, we talked about how Valve needs to pick a, a city host for TI 11, right? Obviously, this is I way don't in think the future. We, can we can't predict where the next virus is going to break out. No, right? no, but, <laughs> but, like, even for TI 10, right? Uh -huh. What if it's in Sweden it gets really bad? What happens? Then they might move TI. Man. If they have enough notice. But that's a tricky thing, right? Because when these things happen, you, you don't really have that much notice. Uh, I, it's clear if there's going to be a massive outbreak of something dangerous in Stockholm, they're not going to have people go to TI I mean, there. Like, it, it's way too dangerous. I am. That's a pretty big tournament, right? So canceling it this late, that's almost unprecedented. I mean, we've seen it a few times, but not for like, uh, not for a disease or a virus that is just it, yeah, it just hasn't happened, right? right? So who knows? It's, like maybe it's there's anyone's been a guess. China, we haven't had it happen before. So yeah, we're catching you up know? to the real world. It seems. All right. So final thing we'll talk about before we end the podcast. This happened ten days ago, as of this recording, Cinderin. But mm -hmm. I just had to talk about it. Okay. Right. Ninja made a tweet. <clears throat> he says, "The phrase, quote unquote, it's just a game." is such a weak mindset. You're okay with what happened, losing imperfection of a craft. When you stop getting angry over losing, you've lost twice. There's always something to learn and always room for improvement. Never settle. 
this has become a huge meme. Mm-hmm. If you guys have not noticed, what are, what is your first? Re- what do you think about this? Uh, this quote. I agree a hundred percent. If you're a competitive player, I disagree. If you're just playing for fun, then it is just a game. And he is a competitive player, right? Or a competitive person. He's a huge streamer. He did play it competitively, I believe, for a while. I don't think there's absolutes like this. I don't think games work like that. Like right. some people play for fun. They play 10,000 hours of Dota. They don't ever really get better and they don't really care. They're playing to have fun and do something else than be at work. And peace be with that, man. Like if you're, if everybody is as competitive about Dota as for example, you or I am, um, then Very competitive it, isn't necessarily compa- it isn't necessarily compatible with their lifestyle, right? It just, it works for us. But um, I, I have other games, right? Where I'm—I mean, I'm a—I'm a bit of an anomaly because I am very competitive in kind of any game. But um, there are definitely games that I'm way less competitive in. Where I'm just chilling, having fun, right? Uh, doesn't have to be about perfection all the time. I think his post is true for anyone that strives to be professional at a video game. Or I—I I have a problem uh, with the word angry, hard. though. I don't think that's true at all. You don't have to be angry. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, maybe that word could have been frustrated. I think that's a better word. I think a lot of people ripped him apart for a lot of different reasons, but angry was one of them. And mm-hmm. I would agree that I definitely disagree with that. I mean, it, you can, we've seen, like, if you just go to traditional sports, a lot of the best players of all time, they all have something different about them, right? Something, some unique aspect. But the one right. thing they have the same that rings true throughout pretty much every sport, including esports, is the dedication and hard work. And yep. the motivation to actually get better. So yes. you can do that in so many different ways. There's no formula to it. Everybody's mm-hmm. different. And I think it's probably not healthy to get angry if you're not doing well. Right. But, but some none people of those might people need... said it's just a game when they lose. Right. If it's just right? a game, I agree so. with exactly what you're saying. Competitive level, obviously, that is not the case. But, you know, sometimes it is just a game, syndrome. It is. I mean, it really look at it is. This Sometimes way. it's just a game. Basketball. Let's go back to basketball with like Kobe Bryant dying and all that stuff. There, there's more important things to basketball. It's just a game. People use that all the time, and I 100% agree with that. You, this might be the most important thing in your life, trying to get to this, the peak of your craft. But family's more important than that. It's just a game. I agree with that. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's... It is just a fucking game at the end of the day, to a degree. Yeah, it, it, it really is about outlook and perspective, right? Uh, I, I feel like I'm kind of repeating myself, but the thing he's saying, I can fully relate to this, what he's saying. I, I don't know if angry is, again, if angry is the word I would use, but this is how I think about Dota. It's like, to me, it's a good thing that if I play bad or don't do well in a game or make mistakes, that it frustrates me because it shows me that I care enough to get better and that I don't want to make these mistakes and I want to learn, right? If every time I make a mistake, I'm like, eh, whatever, whatever, man, you know, I I fucked up, haha, who cares, you know? Like, obviously in a team environment, you don't want to burn people down and make them feel terrible when they make mistakes, but you yourself should hold yourself to a high standard if you want to be good, right? Like, that's just, you can't accept stupid failure or failure in general. You need to be better than that. But yeah, like for the vast majority of people, I don't think his tweet is accurate. 
that's the thing. He's like, he's part of a minority that is like this. Mm-hmm. Many people play for fun and it's okay to lose or it's okay to make a lot of mistakes. And I mean, yeah, people who are in the middle of the MMR range and trying to climb or whatever, they probably shouldn't be getting angry after losses. Like, take it easy, have fun with getting better. You're not going pro anyway, okay? Like, we're not getting to the point where... <laughs> Don't be delusional, If you're a 3K you MMR idiot. player, it's not... I mean, people are... like let's For example, let's say I play CSGO, right? I'm fucking bad at CS, okay? I'm not. I'm not good. And when I play it, I still play to rank up because to me that's rewarding and I want to get better. But to me, that is just a game at the same time. It's like, oh, you know... It's not just a game. I missed my fucking shots, you know. I mean, I'm not good at it. I'm having fun. I'm playing a game. Uh, that's fine. But within, like, it's always relative to so what you're Can doing, I say, right? there is yeah. no game. I don't play Counter-Strike very often anymore. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't think I've played in maybe a year. There is no game that I get more ragey in than Counter-Strike. Of course, it, you're super competitive in that game. It's so. not. It's not even I'm super competitive anymore. It's... Partially because I feel like they've ruined the game based on minus my memory of Counter-Strike back, when, back in the day. Plus, mm-hmm. the bigger thing is I know that I used to, in my mind, I used to be fucking amazing and now I'm just hot garbage. And it frustrates me that I can't play at the same level anymore. That's probably the most right. frustrating thing over anything. So I've just banned myself from playing Counter-Strike. It's, it's too much for my heart. You know, I'm an old man now. Got to retire <laughs> at some point, I guess. Everybody has their time, I suppose. But uh, I mean, yeah. it makes perfect sense, right? That you're, in a way, you're more passionate about CS than Dota in that aspect because yes. you played it on a higher level and you were more invested. So I think that's completely understandable. I'm not surprised at all with that. Even if in total amount of hours now, Dota might have overtaken the number of time you spend no. in Counter-Strike? No. No? Okay. No. Played Counter-Strike for 15 years. Right. How long did you play Dota for? 2005. Did you play Dota 1? That's 15 years. Shannon. 15 years. No, I definitely played more Counter-Strike than Dota. Because okay. like a lot of the time that I have, like if I look at my hours in Dota 2, it's it's from, like I do a lot of stuff in the test client, not the test client, what's mm-hmm. it called? The uh, the sandbox mode or whatever, the demo mode, to be able to right. write like hero spotlights and do videos. There's a lot of content really stuff. And then mods and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Counter-Strike, I'm telling you, I know life that shit for so long. Right. Ugh disgusting disgusting human being lots of regrets in life anyway that is the end of episode 41 of we say things which you can find on every single podcast app imaginable also spotify but not limited to spotify our favorite of course there's apple Podcasts and google Podcasts as well so thanks for watching thanks for listening guys cinder and have you watched in bruges no Thank you very much. The running joke is still going. I know you guys never want to see it. Cinderin thinks that this is funny still. He thinks it's funny that I cry myself to sleep every week that we do these episodes because just a small part of me thinks that he will actually watch that movie. But it's not to be. It's not to be. Next event we go to, I'm... Imagine when it happens. 
I won't. Be- I literally won't believe it. I think you're just pulling my leg. I already know how that's gonna go. <laughs> it's gonna be like you've a already pictured segment. the whole scenario in your mind. You're I've like, dreamt of it many a when time. When you go to bed at night, you're like, okay, what's gonna happen when he's watched in Bruges? You're like mapping out all the possible outcomes. I, mean, I know it's gonna be a ten minute conversation. Be like, I don't believe you. Oh, but I would. Then you have to tell me the whole premise of the movie. Then I'll believe you. And then at the I end, you're like, I just the read plot the, the and synopsis. Then says we're spoiling. It. <laughs> yes, that's fine. We can. It's an old movie. There's no no need for the spoiler alerts. Okay, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Remember Tuesday. If there is an episode, it will be with a guest. If there's not an episode, there's not an episode until the following week. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Suns fans. Sindori. Bye. Sunny Bye. Out. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah.